you are walking with us, Lord God. You give us the strength and the joy. Hallelujah. To make us overcomers. We thank you, Jesus, that we know that all things are possible with our God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, that you have never lost a No, you never lost a battle, and 
We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the words of that song that remind us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to take our eyes off the mountain, off the storm, to take our eyes off the challenge and the circumstances, but lift them up to you, for you're greater than all of them. You're more powerful than all of them. And you'll give us the wisdom we need for every step. You'll give us the strength we need for every battle. Give us sufficient grace for every circumstance and every situation. For you, O oh God, are greater than anything that we'll ever face. And by your grace, we can overcome too. We love you and praise you. Father, this day speak to our hearts. This day may your word speak to us clearly, powerfully, lovingly. Let hearts be ignited, let minds be renewed. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's give him a praise. He's worthy. He's greater. He's greater than anything you're facing, than anything you're battling. He is greater. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to be reminded. Amen. Get your eyes off the situation and onto the Savior. Amen. It's not denying it, it's saying I choose to put my focus to the one that's going to bring me through, the one that's done it before, amen? You like that deer in the headlights sometimes and people get consumed on their situation. Well, we're not going to deny the situation, we're just going to lift up our eyes a little higher to the one that's going to bring us through that situation, amen? Give us strength to go through it, and that song so beautifully speaks to that. Well, good morning. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Your sister Amy, she'll take you next door. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Hebrews 11, we want to continue in a series of sermons from this chapter of faith as we look at these characters that God has really applauded for their faith. Heroes of the faith. Hebrews 11. Let's begin with verse 23. We're going to read a little bit. The Bible says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because he saw, they saw he was an ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, Got to grow up. Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season or a short time. In fact, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. I want to talk this morning about the choices of faith. The choices of faith. As we continue in Hebrews 11, and we're going to preach two messages from this group of, of verses. The first one this morning will emphasize Moses' parents. Next week, emphasize Moses himself. Moses, as most people know, is the mighty deliverer, the prophet, the lawgiver, the leader of God's people. God said of him in Numbers 12, God said these words, My servant Moses is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Man, that's impressive. Amen, that's impressive. God says other prophets, I give them dreams and I give them visions and I speak to them apart. But with not my servant Moses... He's different than all of them. I speak to him face to face. Both Moses and his parents made some very um, extremely important choices of faith. Choices of faith. And those choices produced blessing ever since. And they're recorded here. So that you and I can have some instruction and some inspiration for our walk of faith. You know, it's been said that life is built on character. Character is built on decisions. Decisions are built on values. Let me say that again. 
Life is built on character. Character is built on decisions. Decisions are built on values. We make our choices on the basis of things that are important to us. For the most part, people do what they want to do. Because we make our choices on the basis of things that are important to us. One scholar put it like this, man is both the sculptor and the marble. And ultimately, we chisel out our destiny by the choices we make or refuse to make. Now, for the Christian, our faith should be the controlling factor in our choices and our values. Our faith guides our choices, whether it's choosing spouse, making a financial decision, or how I spend my time or my talents, how I respond to life seasons, storms, successes, how I respond to life's opportunities, responsibilities, prosperities. Why is that? Because very simply, a Christian's faith is not in a creed. Our faith is not just in a code of ethics. It's not just in a religious um, or philosophical system. It's not in a ritual. But our faith is in a person. And that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that died for us and rose again. The one that lives forevermore. The one that purchased us. And, and now you and I, we belong to him. We've been bought with the price. He shed his blood. We belong to Jesus. We're not our own. And the Bible teaches us that we should make it our goal to please him. And we that know him should have as our motto, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Therefore, our faith, my faith, cannot be just a mental assent. It's more than just agreeing to right doctrine. It must also be a personal surrender. My mind certainly has to understand and believe the truths of Christianity, but then my heart and my will must surrender and submit to the Christ of Christianity. If it's not practical and lived out, it's not real. It's not genuine. Now, because of this, the sincere Christian, the genuine believer, my life's values are determined, my life's choices are made, and my life's character is sculpted as a direct response of a living faith in a living Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus is my Lord, and I belong to him, and I endeavor to serve him with all my heart. Amen? Let's begin looking at verse 23. And this morning we want to look at three characteristics of Moses' parents' faith. Three characteristics. The Holy Spirit is all fit to record this for us. So let's look. Number one, Moses' parents had a cooperating faith. A cooperating faith. Number two, Moses' parents, we're going to see, had a very courageous faith, if you understand what they did in the times they lived. And number three, they had a contagious faith. It's hard to give, but you don't got. Come on, say amen. So get it and get it good. Amen. Get a real salvation. Get a real dedication. Live for Christ. Amen. <laughs> you know, you don't pass on what you want. You pass on what you are. Oh, Lord, I'm going off the notes already. I could want my boys to be 6'6", six, six, all I want, but my wife helped me out a little bit there, but not coming from me. Amen. I, I could dream, and I could want, and I could confess, but I can only give what I, you know, you know, you get the point, amen? Hallelujah. Moses' parents, I want to thank God this morning for believing parents. Anyone here today believe in parents? We owe them a debt, do we not? We owe them a debt, do we not? If you've got Christian parents, you owe them a debt. I want to thank God this morning for believing parents. Thank God for parents that weren't willing to allow this fallen world to dictate their child's future. Parents, we need faith like Moses' parents had. In this present hour, we need such faith. They rejected Pharaoh's decree. They trusted God. They saved their child and they blessed the world. It's a moral and spiritually confused time in which we live, just like theirs. And God desires of his families and God desires of his 
men and women, that we will have a faith that will stand firm and a faith that will believe right and a faith that will live out what we believe. Can you say amen to that? A lot of people can nod their head to the right things, but walking it out is a whole other category of existence. Amram and Jochebed. Aren't you glad your mama called you David or Bill or, or Sue or Mary? Amen. But Amran and Jochebed, that's Moses' parents. All right. Moses' parents. They, you know, they were obscure people who gave the world one of its greatest religious and political leaders ever. Don't ever, don't ever underestimate the influence of a godly home, of your home. It can touch and change your world. Don't ever underestimate the influence of a godly home. Remember again the times in which they lived. A demonic-inspired pharaoh, so intimidated by the blessing of the Jewish people, said, we've got to oppress them. He tried to oppress them one way, and God just blessed them. You can't curse who God's blessing. Come on, say amen to that. So don't get all worried about what someone else says. Just walk with God, and he'll take care of the rest. Amen. You, you can't curse who God's blessing. Just, just, you know, try somebody else. Amen. But, but he tried it, and they got blessed, and then he got even harder. He got angrier, and he said he had a law that says as soon as a male Hebrew is born, you're to kill him. Throw him in the Nile. That devil's always been trying to kill God's people. Always been trying to kill the children. Nothing much has changed as far as that goes. Moses' parents, they loved their child, they feared their God, and they refused to fear Pharaoh or obey his wicked demand. They left us an example, and they left us an inspiration. Let us thank God this morning for people and parents of faith who refused to bow to the morality of the hour, but instead faithfully served the Lord and make the necessary choices of faith. No one can make certain choices for you. You've got to make them by yourself. You'll bear the consequences for yourself and others, but you've got to make them for yourself. The choice of faith. Godly parents must make some choices, set some parameters, priorities, set some standards, practice some holy habits, Make some worthwhile sacrifices if they want to follow this example. And friend, we can. We can if we choose. But God will help us to do so. You see, friend, whatever it is when it comes to the things of God, if you'll make the righteous choice, God will help you carry it out. But you've got to make the choice. He'll enforce what you choose, but he won't make you do anything. You're here today because you wanted to be here today. Others are somewhere else as they're worshiping their God. Somewhere else. That's all right. I didn't die for you on the cross, but I assure you the one that did is not pleased when you ignore his house week after week and make it just a flipping thing. Somebody say amen. It's all right. They can't see you out there. They just see me. All right. Let us begin. And it sounds like I feel bad. Well, if you feel bad, repent and get it right. Get it right. If that's God saying, listen, I want you to change in that area of your life, that's called conviction of the Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is saying, get that area right so you can walk in that blessing. All right, let me get back my notes. We'll never get done here. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Number one, most parents had a cooperating faith. Jesus warned us about a house divided, did he not? You notice in verse 23, it's they, 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 they. I love hearing a they. It's wonderful when there's a they. Not her, not him. There's a they. Come on, say amen to that. Come on, come on, say amen to that. By faith, Moses' parents, they're both in on this thing. They're both exercising faith. They're both exercising courage. For three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I love that. Listen, um, Moses' parents had a cooperating faith. They worked with God, and they worked with one another. Parents, you're a team. Parents, you're a team. You need to get on the same sheet of music. Communicate, plan, unite, work with one another, with God, as you pursue the will of God for your family. 
the goal of a Christian family. We want to do the will of God. We work together to do that. Pharaoh's decree was wicked. But Moses' parents understood that Moses' conception and birth were from the Lord. His birth was no accident. It was an appointment. And so is yours. Hallelujah. Listen, friend, you were made by God and you were made for God. You're no accident. You're not just a biological result. The God of heaven has given you life. You're here today because the God of heaven has given you life. And then he sent his son to die for your salvation. And he has from the very beginning a good plan and purpose for your life. A destiny for your soul. If you walk in it, Moses' parents had cooperating faith. And though it was a time of tension, trouble, pressure, persecution, yet they prayed together. And they trusted one another. They worked, they dared, they cooperated with God and with one another. And friend, that creates the strongest bonds. And some people get divided when things get hard. These parents got tighter. They're, they're, they closed ranks. Can you say amen to that? Their faith grew stronger. Their love wrapped their arms around one another. This creates a strong response of power of unity and agreement. One person said, teamwork makes the dream work. King Solomon said, a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. Husband, wife, and holy ghost. Friend, that's a cord that stands. That's a cord that holds. That's a cord that keeps. That's a cord that's going to endure. Let's look at that scripture together. Ecclesiastes 4 in verse 12. How Solomon said it. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Can you say amen to that? That's why it's important in your home. You gotta get Jesus in your home. You gotta submit to the Lord in your home. Then it's not just two people fighting the fight of life. Then it's Jesus and He's on your side. Victory shall be yours. Cooperating faith. There is power in a cooperating faith. Now someone might say, I'm, I'm a single person. I'm a single parent. Pastor, I'm in a situation where I'm alone. I seem like I got to go it alone. Listen, you may be a single person or parent. You may be in a situation where you feel like you're alone. But listen, listen, listen. You do not have to go it alone. When others are absent, Jesus will be there. When others, for whatever reason, are not there, Christ is there. Besides church friends and a church family, Jesus says, I'll be your partner and I'll be your helper. I'll be your burden bearer. I'll be your burden chair. I'll help you get through that thing. I'll help you endure that thing. You're not alone if you belong to me. Even if you feel alone, you're never alone. Even if it looks like you're alone, you're never alone. He that began that could work. He says, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to complete that work. I'm going to stand by your side. I'll be your burden bearer. I'll be the one that fights your battles. So regardless of what you see, regardless of what you feel, don't you ever doubt the Lord is on my side. The Lord stands with me. The Lord will give me his strength and I'm going to make it. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And friend, you can trust him. The Christ of the Bible is the one that says you can trust me today. You can lean on me today. You can look to me today. He's still mighty to save and he's still mighty to provide. He's still mighty to keep us. He's still as the Bible says, a husband to the widow and a father to the orphan. And he reminds his people this morning, especially those that you might feel like you're in a vulnerable place. You might feel like you're in an overwhelming struggle. You might feel alone. But he reminds you, friend, when you're tired, I'll be your strength. May the weak say, I am strong because the Lord is on my side. He says, when you're feeling overwhelmed, I won't let it consume you. But I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding so you can stand and withstand all the storms of life. When 
when things are financially tight and maybe a deadline is looming, I'll be your provider. I'll be your Jehovah Jireh. I'll make a way for you. I'll meet the need for you. Oh, friend, the Lord says I am with you. I'll never fail you. When you have to make a decision, and let's face it, decisions have to be made and they're not always easy. But he says at that time, I'll give you my wisdom. I'll be your wonderful counselor. I'll whisper in your ear. No, no, no. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Oh, the devil is a lie. You're not alone and you're not outgunned. If you're with Jesus, you're in the majority. He's committed to you. He loves you and he will keep you again. Child of God. You're not alone and you are not overlooked. You have a partner. You have a friend. You have a shepherd. You have a savior. His name is Jesus. And he says, I'll be whatever I need to be to carry you through and to walk you through faithful ones. Don't you ever forget. He loves you. He cares for you. And Jesus Christ is committed to you. Cooperating faith. They work together. They had a common goal. Some things are worth sacrificing for. They had a common goal and strategy to meet that goal. So we work together, not against one another. Remember that story? Remember back in the day, I was going to joke this, some of you might have been there, but back in the day, when they had them two, two-seater bikes. Remember them two-people bikes, the one in the front? Remember that? <laughs> I'm only playing with you. I could have said, someone come on horse and buggy, but that's all right. Um, I remember a story of two guys going up a hill. It wound up being a pretty steep hill. But they hopped and puffed and finally they got up to the hill. They finally mastered the hill, and it was steep and it was long. The guy in the front looks back and says, Phew. That was one rough climb. And the guy in the back says, yeah, and you know, if I didn't have the brakes on the whole way, I'm sure we would have rolled backwards. (laughs) They had a common goal, but they didn't have a common strategy. You see, sometimes if you're not communicating, you think you're heading for the same thing, but you're not in sync with one another. Communication does help, does it not? Friends, guard your unity. Guard your unity. The devil will try to divide, to distract, to disrupt peace, priority, and harmony in our homes and in our marriages. Guard your unity. Again, parents, guard your unity and strive to work together with a cooperating faith. Practice communication. Give proper consideration one to another. And live with a holy consecration unto the Lord. Amen? It's amazing when Jesus has his proper places, how much of our mistakes can be overridden simply because he's involved. Can you say amen to that? Yeah, yeah. Hmm? Stand together. Lift one another up. Together, let there be believing and praying and working and sacrificing to do God's will, to fight life's battles, and to enjoy life's blessings. And God's people said, had a cooperating faith. Cooperating faith. I'll say it again. Get on the same sheet of music. You get two people that are committed to one another and committed to the Lord. That's a chord that hell can't break. That's a chord that'll triumph in the end. Amen. Cooperating faith. Number two, most parents had a courageous faith. A courageous faith. There is an enemy out there. Jesus talked about a thief. Peter talked about a lion going about wanting to devour. He wants to devour homes. He wants to devour um, ministries, destinies, etc. And we need to be a people of courageous faith. We need to pray, Lord, give me a courageous faith. See, too often people know the right thing and they know the right choice. But often they shrink back and they ignore it. They compromise, but quite frankly, they don't want to deal with the repercussions of righteousness and obedience. The backlash from family, friends, co-workers, etc. 
It took courage for Moses' parents to disobey Pharaoh's decree. It took courage to say no to some things. You know, in the New Testament, it took courage for the early church to obey Jesus' command. It was costing them their lives and imprisonments. So it's going to take some courage to say no to some things, and it's going to take some courage to step out and do and obey some things. There are times when faith demands that we disobey edicts of men, that we take some unpopular stance, that we practice some unpopular behaviors. Like what? How about like holiness, purity, integrity, honesty? Under ordinary circumstances, Christians should be the best of citizens. They should be the best of neighbors, the best of workers, etc. But when the law of man is contrary to the law of the words of God, then we must obey God rather than man. Let's look at it, Acts 5 and 29. Acts 5 and 29. The early church was being threatened, and they were being ordered by government officials, don't obey Jesus, don't preach the gospel, don't carry out this commission. And Peter and the others, they'd been in prison, they'd been threatened to all nine yards, and Peter and the others responded, we must obey God rather than man. They had a courageous faith. If you're going to make it, you've got to have a courageous faith. You've got to be willing to take a stand and not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Make us, even if it harms us in some way, I want the praise of the Lord before I want the applause of man. Cooperating faith, a courageous faith. A courageous faith. No, it doesn't take courage to take the moral path of least resistance, least effort, least persistence, the broad road, that popular road, to follow the crowd and the things that are culturally popular or personally convenient. It doesn't take courage to walk like that, does it? It doesn't take courage to do it because everyone else is doing it. Take some courage, stand apart, say, no, 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 I serve the Lord. And if it doesn't please Jesus, it doesn't go with me. But to live holy in an unholy world demands some courage. To live differently because you're a follower of Christ demands some courage. Moral and spiritual courage, the courage of character. The courage to confront the wrong. To contend for the right and the eternal. It's the courage to strive to do and live and to order our homes in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. To build our house upon the rock of his word without apology or being intimidated. There's a courage in that early church. They loved up their lives even unto death. There was a courage in that early church. They were imprisoned. They were outlawed. They kept obeying. They kept preaching. They kept living for Jesus. Moses' parents had such faith, courageous faith. They saved their child, it'll save yours. And it's so important here, when you go through Hebrews 11, you'll see the courage that each man and woman talked about how to have to do what God called them to do. In order to receive the applause of God, there was courage. Some were martyred for their faith. Some were rejected for their faith. We have to remember, courage is required in this fight of faith. It takes a measure of moral courage to live for Christ in a fallen world. And again, we mentioned some weeks ago, one of my favorite Old Testament scriptures is God commissioning Joshua to lead the people to the promised land. Joshua 1 and 9, and how God says, listen, Joshua, have I not commanded? Three times in this one chapter, God emphasizes these words. Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and very courageous? Don't be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. But you can look through every hero of the faith, and there was a measure of moral and spiritual courage that was part of their fabric. You can't please God wholeheartedly if you don't have that in you. It's impossible, because we live in a world that's anti the things of God. So in order to obey the things of God, there has to be a measure of moral courage. It's not following Christ regardless of what the backlash is. And even though God, in the story of Joshua, even though God promises them victory, 
promises that God will be with him. Joshua is reminded that even though I'm with you, and this is my promise and will for you, obedience to my word, encourage, and you living it out will be required of you. That's what Moses' parents had. God give us a similar courage in this present hour. Courage that we need all. We all need this to take unpopular stands. The courage we need to live out misunderstood priorities. The courage we need to live this different lifestyle and to have a different goal and to submit to a different governor and Lord. It's an hour of great moral confusion, deception. And then we live in a world that in so many ways it's lost its way. It's lost its bearings. Right seems wrong. Wrong seems right. But don't ever forget, folks, people, nations, churches, families will never avoid forever the consequences of their choices. A people, a nation, a church, a family will never avoid forever the consequences of their choices. A courageous choice is demanded if we're going to finish our race. Courage. Some people have a hard time stirring up. Can I give you a quick four thoughts that help us sometimes encourage ourselves, give ourselves courage, encouragement, poor encourage, because we walk alone. It's nice when you have people around you, but much of life you're walking it alone. Amen? You and Jesus, you walk, you're facing life, you're fighting the devil. Four things that I think should help us stir up our courage. Amen? Stir ourselves up. Number one, let's always remember we, we have the presence of God. We have the presence of God. Joshua, you have the presence of God. Moses is parent. You have the presence of God. He's always with you. If you're one of his, he's with you. He never failed you or forsake you. Everyone else can run away. Everyone else can, you can't go any farther. You know when someone's going into that operating room, there comes a time when the last one has to turn around and they go in all by themselves, but you're never by yourself. The Lord is with you. I encourage myself by reminding myself of, number one, the presence of the Lord. But secondly, I want to remind myself of the power of the Lord because God's with me and he is mighty to save. The one, I've had people with me, but they really couldn't do much for me. Can you say amen to that? But all they could do is watch your water. They couldn't heal me. They couldn't strengthen me. If I fell down, they couldn't pick me up without a crane. <laughs> but I know and the Lord is with me. Not only do I have his presence, I have his power. But the God you serve is mighty to save. He's mighty to heal. He's mighty to deliver. He's mighty to protect his people. And this God gives you the enabling to walk the walk, fight the fight, and finish with victory. Can you say amen? We encourage ourselves by reminding ourselves God is with me. God is with me. They might laugh at me. They might reject me for the promotion because of the stand I take. But God is with me. His presence is with me. His power is with me. His promises to me. I remind myself of what he has spoken. I remind myself that he has given me a word. And his word is a sure word. His word is a settled word. His word is a word you can trust. I've had words from men and they fizzled. I've had words from well-meaning people and they fell short. But not one word from God Almighty has yet to fall short in my life. Friend, I encourage myself by reminding me of the good promises that He has spoken to me and He has declared over me. I encourage myself. I remind myself God is with me. Everybody else might have bailed. Everybody else might have run. Everybody else, you know, they're at Fred's it's shrimp night. Amen. No one's here to stand with me. But God is with me. His power is for me. His promises are Declared over me. Presence, power, promise. How about his purpose for me? That ought to encourage you. If you're in the will of God, be bold, devil. God called me to be the head of this home. God called me to be a witness on this job. God called me to this. Therefore, I have a confidence. I didn't make this up. I didn't call myself. I'm here by divine orders. Got orders from headquarters. Amen. Didn't come in my own name. I came in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You encourage yourself, remind yourself, God has a plan and purpose for your life. If you're in his will, get bold. If you're in his will, get excited. If you're in his will, let there be an expectation of faith. Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Sent by God. Under orders from heaven. 
one that sent me is with me. He's anointed me to do this. He anointed you, mama, to be that mama. He anointed you, mister, to be that father. He's anointed you, sir, to be a lighthouse on that job. He's anointed you, ranger leader, to be a child lover. And I know, oh, hallelujah. They had a courage, courageous faith. We pray, God, grant us a greater measure of moral courage. If we're afraid to take a stand, we just water everything down. Oh, oh, I feel going. I, the Holy Spirit saw fit to give us this wonderful example of Moses' parents. Most wouldn't even think about them too much. Skim over the story, we get right to Moses. But all their choices of faith, what a difference those choices made. They had a cooperating faith. Cooperating faith. Amen. So they worked together and they worked with God. It's important to work together. It's important to have good communication, consideration. Amen. Don't just have the similar plan, have the similar strategy. Amen. Lock arms together. Pray together. Believe God together. Encourage one another. Amen. And on the same team, fight the fight together. Cooperating faith. Courageous faith. You got to take a stand. You know? Amen. Your kids can't do things other kids do while we're serving the Lord here. Well, they go through. I don't care what they do. We're serving the Lord here. And that, that's, you know, the God is kind of moral courage to take a stand that people don't always understand and might not be popular. But how have we said it? And we'll read it now. Joshua 24. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What they're doing down the street, none of my business, not my problem. Under this roof, we're going to praise the Lord. Amen? We're going to love Jesus here. We're going to honor the word here. Isn't that right? Joshua's getting ready to retire, and so to speak, and he tells the people, listen, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, everyone got to choose. You don't only choose who you will serve, you have to choose how you're going to serve him. You're going to be lukewarm, go through a facade, you're going to be serious and real with Jesus. You're going to serve him wholeheartedly. Amen. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, it does to some, then choose for yourselves this day. You've got to make a personal choice, heaven or hell. Where are you going to spend eternity? It's a personal choice, you know. God's done everything he can do. He gives it to us, doesn't he? Every person gets to choose. Get your own choice. He'll take anyone. If you come to him, he'll take you. Amen? He's made the way. Open the arms, open the door. I make a choice. Serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers did beyond the river, gods of the Amorites whose land you're in. <clears throat> but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And that's courageous. Amen. That's taking a stand. That's making a choice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't ever forget that you make a choice of who you'll serve, and you make a choice of how you'll serve him. The faith of Moses' parents, their choices made a difference. Cooperating faith, courageous faith, and lastly, contagious faith. Contagious faith. What their faith produced, not only Moses, but his older brother Aaron became the first high priest, right? Aaron of the priesthood. And Miriam, the daughter, she was a prophetess. She led the ladies in their praises. I mean, worship leader and prophetess. Man, this family's pretty. We don't even know, we can't even pronounce their names. Man, they produce some heavyweights. It's amazing. Oh, Lord. Contagious faith. Again, you've got to have it to give it. So get it. Get good. Amen. Get saved to the bone. I mean, get saved. Amen. 
get a real salvation. Don't get a salvation. We just be nice to you at your funeral. You, you get one where the people down the street that don't love God testify of your salvation. Amen? Get it real. Get it real. Get it real. Hallelujah. <laughs> I went down to Gillespie some years ago. I said, oh, that Andrea Blanc. Yeah, yeah, she, oh, yeah, she's on fire for God. I don't know if they're saved or not. They didn't mean the place, you know, that's the first time there. Kind of, <laughs> this place here. But now I'm telling you, live such a life that even your enemies will testify. Amen? Don't let there be no doubt about it. You see, faith, though it cannot be inherited like the color of one's eyes, complexion, it can be instilled when there's an atmosphere and an example of faith that fills a home. See, again, it can't be inherited like natural things. But it can be instilled when there's an atmosphere, an example of faith that fills a home. So I'll say it again. Never underestimate the influence of a godly home. Of your home. It can affect your world. Again, some things are taught. Other things are caught. So let us strive to create an atmosphere, a climate, a culture in our homes that somehow there'll be a contagious faith that our children can catch from us. Something that will inspire them and motivate them and stir them to serve Jesus courageously and wholeheartedly and faithfully in their generation. The choices of faith, part one. Next week, we're going to look at Moses. I mean, you start reading the rest of the verses. When Moses came of age, he started imitating his parents' faith. He started choosing Christ and rejecting the world. He was courageous against. He was courageous for. Wow. We're going to see that. We're going to see that. Number one, as we close, faith has to choose. Have you chosen where you're going to spend your eternity? You get to choose. It's just not an accident. Have you chosen where you will spend your eternity? Have you come to Christ? Have you made Jesus your Savior and Lord? That's the only way. And if you have, let me ask you this. Have you chosen how you will serve him? Have you made up your mind you're going to be a sincere, wholehearted Christian? Or just going to be a fly-by-night, lukewarm? I'll see you on Christmas. Maybe Easter. You're too busy for God the rest of the time. What kind of Christian will you choose to be? We make that choice, don't we? Yeah. We're choosing. But secondly, parents, let's make sure husbands and wives, even if the kids are long gone, husbands and wives, let's make sure we have a cooperating faith. Let's work together. Let's encourage one another. Let's lock arms together to do the will of God to fight life's battles, work together, support one another, talk with one another. And lastly, if you need prayer, you just want to pray. We're going to open these altars like we always do. And maybe we can pray, Lord, use our homes for your glory. Use our homes to be a good witness in the neighborhood. Amen? Use our homes to touch other families. Use our homes to be a proper example of a Christian home in a darkened world. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Stand with me, please. I'm going to pray the final prayer. We're going to sing the final song. The altars are open. If you need to come and make a fresh altar, please do so. If you need to come and talk to the Lord about making a fresh measure of dedication, please do so. If you have a need, if you need to be anointed with oil for healing, if you just want to come and pray for your family, please do so. As I believe the Lord wants to touch hearts, speak to hearts in this final part of our service. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I want to thank you for the example of Moses' parents. Help us to imitate such faith in our lives and in our homes. Father, in Jesus' name, please bless every marriage this morning. Help their love toward you and each other grow richer and deeper. 
Bless the homes of your people. Father, you see every need. You see every battle behind closed doors. Help your people, Father. Let a fresh measure of your peace and your grace fill our homes. Stir our faith. Use our lives. Help couples that struggle with communication to get better at it. Help those that somehow seem to be trying to attain the same goals two different ways somehow come and get some unity about it. Lord Jesus, we invite you afresh into our home. Lord Jesus, we invite you afresh into our home. Jesus, we love you. We're not ashamed of you. We invite you afresh into our homes and to our lives. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Take the lead in this marriage. Take the lead in this family. Father, as we draw near to you right now, please draw near to us. Touch us. Speak to us. Father, you know every need that's represented here this morning. And I pray as your people respond to you, you release your amazing grace to them. Please heal the hurting. Please refresh the weary. Please encourage the congregation greatly. And oh God, please do a fresh and new life in each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,